Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure podcast. I'm Matt Stagner here with Ron Cobb Jr. As always, coming off of a pretty comfortable win against the Los Angeles Rams this week. How you feeling? Well, my mic is working for once. Uh, I, I, I tend to not get my mic to, to, to work on these podcasts and, and make Serta's job much harder. But uh, no, it's going good. It's going good. It's a fork in the road kind of part of the season for the Chiefs. We got this one big game left in the regular season, I think, in my opinion. I, you know, I know Seattle's down the road, but Man, this Rams game, I, I started looking forward pretty quick once that, that the final whistle blew because the Bengals are coming up, you know, obviously got us a couple times last year. So it's a big week, man. I'm feeling it. I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready to talk Chiefs. So let's do it, Stags. You bet. Yeah, this was one of those games, again, where the outcome was never in doubt. There was never a point in this game where I had even a second thought about who was going to win. And so we were – maybe looking for things to pick apart or things to get excited about. And, right. and when I went to write the winners versus losers uh, piece for arrowheadpride.com this week, it was a little challenging because you could have listed basically the entire defense on the winners list. Um, several guys on offense, not a lot of real losers this week, uh, at least from the, those two phases of the game. Right. Yeah. And I, and I know you're foreshadowing there, but no, I, I do want to give some credit to the defense. You know, I, one of the, the, one of the main things I wanted to, in my five things to watch this, this week was, you know, can the defense dominate from A to Z, right? Have a game, you know, against a third string quarterback against a really banged up offensive line with no weapons, pretty much whatsoever. Um, can they actually just suffocate an offense and really not let anything get by them? And, for the most part, that's what they did. I mean, you know, they, they obviously, you know, let that touchdown go. Seemed like that was kind of a weird, some sort of miscommunication in the secondary there. But, you know, I, I, I do think the defense, you know, did what it was supposed to do. Kind of just not let an offense get anything going. You know, the, the few times the Rams had had some first downs, it, it wasn't really threatening. So shout out the defense, uh, you know, but I, I do I do think the offense. Mahomes was very critical of himself after the game. The red zone stuff was obviously very bad. But, you know, it, I, and, and I wrote it up for the, the, the site, and I looked into it, all the stats and stuff, how bad it was. But I, I do think a lot of it can just come down to, you know, and we've seen it with Andy Reid plenty of times, right? They came into a game with maybe a vanilla game plan. The red zone strategy probably wasn't very sp- opponent-focused, probably pretty general. And the Rams did their job and, and kind of made it hard on, on the Chiefs. So got to give them credit. 
But I, I imagine, you know, I, I wouldn't worry about the red zone offense, I guess, until maybe after this week if it, if it continues to look bad. Do you have any real concerns about the red zone offense or do you want to give some love to the defense too? No, I mean, if you look at the red zone uh, strike, everybody's been talking about how vanilla they were in the red zone, but are you calling that throwback sky more to <laughs> hey. Mahomes pass vanilla? Now, I, I get the point that that very easily could have been just a look that they wanted to put on film so that other teams have to prepare for it. Either that or he was letting the guys have a little fun because he knew that they weren't gonna they weren't gonna lose this game. Because if I remember correctly, I don't know if it was that play uh, or, or another drive where Colin Saunders was in, yeah, uh, <laughs> on first down until they called a timeout, right? So there was they were letting them have a little fun. I think. Yeah, he was like a line to tight end. I think before a timeout, but. No, I think you're right. We've seen it from Andy. I think in the when he gets into these kind of blowout wins, even though this wasn't necessarily a blowout when he called that um, play, but he does like to have these kind of red zone trick plays. The Dontari Poe touchdown, you know, back then was on a, in a blowout at home. Um, that's when he pulls them out, you know, maybe not in a, a tight games as much. So I, I think that that does even speak to it more that maybe Andy was feeling pretty comfortable and not really too focused in and, and the Mahomes interception I think is even maybe a be- bigger example of the offense maybe not being as locked in as they could be because he said it after the post game he was trying to dirt the throw once he saw Kelsey wasn't open and he just <laughs> instead of throwing it at the guy's feet he just threw it right to the guy and that's why you <laughs> saw him after the play like holding his head looking like he couldn't believe it because yeah um yeah he definitely did not mean to throw it right to the guy so it, it was just a weird game but now there were a few plays I noticed if you're going to nitpick at the okay. offense there were a few plays I noticed where Mahomes did have to throw it away or throw it at guys' feet because there was a lot of uh, folks not getting open, right? There was – I know they were a little shorthanded on offense at, at receiver still. Uh, they had Juju Smith-Schuster back, but on a pitch count, he certainly did not play his full load uh, yeah. of snaps. You know, Kadaris Tony is still out. Michael Hardman's out. It did seem like they were struggling to get open a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I I do think the offense, you know, the, the first drive especially, you know, they had a little trouble maybe handling Aaron Donald. I mean, there there are good players on this Rams defense. You know, they they still have Jalen Ramsey in the back end. You know, even if he did get you know crossed up and 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 spun around by Travis Kelsey for the touchdown, you know, he 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 did have a, a good game for the rest of the game. You know, uh, holding Kelsey in check for the most part. And you know, they they have other guys in the back end too, and 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 they are you know a, a pretty solid defensive backfield and again you mentioned all the injuries for the Chiefs but I mean you say that I mean the Chiefs did march up and down the field I mean every every drive after the first drive either ended in a touchdown or in the red zone so between the 20s they really didn't have much trouble and you know the run game had a lot to do with that too obviously but it really was the red zone when it tightened up that's when you really saw the receivers maybe the depth of it you know maybe that's maybe that's where Juju's really is a a key point even though he hasn't been a, a, a huge red zone weapon this year He's still someone that can maybe, you know, go up and get a ball, um, you know, make a make a tough grab. So, yeah, no, I, between the 20s, though, I mean, they were doing their thing. I mean, they didn't really get stopped until they got close to the end zone. Yeah, when you look at the statistics from the game, I mean, the Chiefs averaged 7.6 yards per pass, which is which is pretty solid, you know, 6.1 yards per play overall. Uh, 437 total yards. Obviously, Mahomes back over 300 yards again. There was – this was a, a pretty efficient, solid, you know, offensive performance other than just the, the the lack of execution in the red zone. But when your defense gives up under 200 total yards 
in an, an entire NFL game, holds them to 10 points. Right. Uh, the Rams averaged 3.6 yards per play and three yards per pass. Uh, that was a that's a pretty solid, uh, solidly dominant game by the by the defense. It was, it was, and and so the offense and defense have, have definitely you know gotten their talk. But Stags, we're here to talk the most you know crucial polarizing unit in in Chiefs Kingdom right now, and that is the special teams unit. Because again, some gaffes on Sunday. You know, uh, we 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 saw it again with Sky Moore, another muff punt, and then we also saw the fake punt that the Chiefs allowed and and continue to Rams drive. You know, you look at your winners losers column. You said you didn't have a, many trouble finding winners. The losers you found were all on the special teams, and one of them was the coordinator, Dave Tobe. I don't know, Stags, what, what are your thoughts on and, – and I guess here's where we can get into a question uh, early in the show from D. Rowe at David Rowe, 3974-8539. When is it time to move on from Dave Tobe? Because, you know, th- this season's been a lot, Stags, and it was just the latest kind of special teams gaffe on Sunday. So, I don't know. What are your overall thoughts on the third unit of the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, I think – the point's been made plenty and we're not, you know, speaking out of turn when we say that Skymore should not have been put in that situation that he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's not, he's shown that this is a situation that is, that is not comfortable for him. And uh, in some ways, yeah, you want to let a rookie take the reps and, and get back up after he struggles. Right. Uh, but whatever, the, however many, how many fumbles is it before you you have to turn the corner? And I I think at this point they have turned the page. I think the 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 way the coaches uh, spoke uh, today, I think we we got a pretty solid indication that they have turned the page. This guy Moore is no longer the punt returner. I listed Sky Moore as a as both a winner and a loser this week because he was really solid as a receiver this week. He made some really substantial plays for this team, uh, and they use him in a number of ways that just it just kind of teases what the future for this kid is going to be. So don't let any of this stuff get you down on the draft pick or the future of the potential sky more, you know, would we have rather had George Pickens, all those conversations that we <laughs> don't need to have those at this point. Sky Moore is going to contribute on offense and has contributed already now on offense, just not a punt returner. And so, so first get that out of the way, Dave Tobe, Made the change finally, but it was too late. Yeah, no, and I do think there is something too. Obviously, Tony and Hardman being out, you know, I don't think they wanted more to be back there, but he is kind of that third guy in line. You can make the argument that maybe he shouldn't even be in the depth chart anymore after the, the first two muff punts and kind of his struggles already. But, you know, there is something to say, hey, you know, we're going to give you this next chance. You know, we, we still believe in you. And, hey, if, you know, the, the saying is fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. You know, it, what happens with the third time? I mean, we, I, I don't think he's getting back is, is the point. But, no, I want to dig into the special teams failures further because it does just seem like it's been a prevailing theme this season. And it's something that we did come into the season kind of maybe expecting. We all, I think the, you know, we all kind of understood how many special teams turnover, how much special teams turnover there was, not a kicker and punter, but every other position pretty much, right? Even the returners, you know, the main parts of the, the, the you know, the uh, covering kicks and, and obviously blocking for returns. And so, you know, I, I guess we can look at right now where the special teams DVOA is at. You know, right now they're about 14th, 15th in the league. Last year they were third. And so this is a, just a way to kind of measure how effective you are on special teams. And so they were last year in third. 
2020, they were 17th, and that was the only other time besides this year that they've been outside the top nine in the Dave Tobe era of the NFL. Always had one of the best special teams units, but I don't know. It, it, that's where I just, I really want to, you know, I, I, I don't really think it's necessarily a Dave Tobe thing. I think, you know, he could do better, but I think we have a lot of new faces, but I don't know, Stags, are you going far enough to say it's, it's, it's definitely on Tobe and that they need to think about, you know, getting another guy in here? Because I actually am not, I'm not really there yet, honestly, to be honest with you. No, I mean, I'm not going to lose any sleep if Tobe gets a different job next year and the Chiefs yeah. find a new special needs That's coach. That's a good way I mean, to put it. Yeah. That's fine. You know, that's – we've been thinking that was going to happen for a few years now, back when he was a hot name on the head coaching circuit, uh, or at least on the interview circuit. You, you've ago. been thinking that he's going to be gone for a while. And and so, yeah, when that day comes, you know, wish him well. That's That's perfectly fine. Am I calling for his head at this point? Does he need to be fired? No. And, and I think, you you know, the, the point is not to be taken too lightly that this is a really young group of players he's working with and players that haven't necessarily done it very much in their careers. Uh, even, you know, if you use Sky Moore as an example, Sky Moore was not a punt returner in college necessarily. Uh, and they bring him in and, and stick him in that role. I think there's probably a lot of these guys that on the return team, the blockers, the uh, and you know your gunners on the on the kicking team that maybe they didn't do this before, and so there's some of the decision making that snap decision making. Isaiah Pacheco had a a dumb decision. Was that last week uh, yeah. when he fielded a, a a kickoff that that would have been at the forty because uh, it was headed out of bounds? He he managed to corral it inbounds and to make sure that they were pinned inside the ten. You know, those types of decisions, those snap decisions, those little nuances in the rule book, that's why they have Chris LeMond on the team. That's why they have Marcus Kemp on the team. Yep. Those are guys that know those little details, and they have enough experience that in that moment they know exactly what to do without having to stop and think about it. You know, they people pointed out this week that LeMond, Lamons, whoever was uh, – <laughs> He he knows you know exactly where to put himself in between, uh, you know the 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 fair catch and the and the goal line like he, just all the little things uh, that play a couple weeks ago that everybody was freaking out about because uh, the defense or the uh, the kicking team had had already touched the ball uh, and then uh, he went and ended up in the in the end zone for a touchback right so there was that was a play where he knew the rules better better than most of the people on the field and pretty much all of us watching the game. So there, there's a reason guys are special teams aces and that uh, that they get play as such. There's a reason that Zane Anderson got the call up this week. <laughs> and, you know, there's yeah. there's a reason that, you know, that is an important phase of the game. So, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm willing to cut him with some slack based on roster turnover, based on youth. And then uh, as long as they get this returner situation figured out, it looks like, Knock on wood that uh, Harrison Butker's getting it figured out. He was yeah. perfect again this week, so that's two weeks in a row. Uh, and to, to quote a great sports movie, that, my friends, is a winning streak. <laughs> it is. Oh, no, he, he's put he's, he's he's had a few good games, and I'm knocking on wood as I say it, so don't worry. Don't worry, people. But, no, I, I agree with your overall points, though. I You know, and Tobe should get some credit for making guys like LeMond's, you know, helping them become aces by probably – getting in their ear and teaching them those kind of tricks of the trade. You know, I don't think LeMond just, you know, learns that on his own, but 
We do have some news to get to, Stags. And actually, I'm, I'm throwing some breaking news that you don't even, unless you've seen it on Twitter. We got a new, we got another Patrick Mahomes in the world now. Patrick Mahomes' son was born apparently just a few minutes ago. Patrick Bronze Levon Mahomes the third. What a name! What a name! Wow. <laughs> PM three, PM three is coming. Just wait for twenty years. See, you know he, he's going to be the twenty forty three quarterback prospect. Uh, yeah. No, that's. Hey, congratulations to the Mahomes family. That's uh. That's great news, and it's uh, good timing. He was able to do it in between games and didn't have to miss, uh, didn't, <laughs> didn't right. have to miss the game. You know, that, oh, that's that's fantastic. And you know, um, there's times when when things are bigger than football, and and obviously he's he's building a family and and putting down roots in Kansas City and doing everything the right way. So you got to feel good about uh, the Mahomes family growing by one more this week. Absolutely. And, and I was curious if he was going to go with another Patrick. So it's cool to see that he's carrying on the name as a, a former or a, a fellow junior myself. Got to see if I'll, I'll carry on the name, too. But uh, we got other we got we got, uh, you know, less important, you know, less important news, I guess. But still still some relevant news here. We got some practice squad signing stags. We got some new yeah, guys you know. on the Chiefs practice squad kind of and kind of two notable names too. kind of. Interesting. All of a sudden, getting these get these nuggets on Monday afternoon when you didn't expect uh, anything to happen. Um, yeah, two two kind of names that, that pop out at you. Yeah, since the expansion of the practice squad rules allowing veteran players to be signed to practice squads, it's really opened up the opportunity for guys yeah. like these two players the Chiefs just signed to get another chance with an NFL team uh, in the middle of a season. It gives the team an opportunity to get a good look at them and to get them geared up without using up that, that roster spot that's so valuable. And so I think it's it's pretty cool to see. Uh, so for those of you that haven't seen the news, the, the Chiefs signed uh, two players, actually two players recently in the division, uh, Melvin yeah. the third, who's a running back recently with uh, Denver, who was previously with San Diego before that, uh, back when the Chargers were in San Diego. And then Brian Edwards recently of the Raiders uh, cut by uh, Atlanta uh, is is been signed uh, as a wide receiver. So two players that have uh, they have seasons on their you know on the record, you know stats under their belt. They've shown the ability to play in this league, and now they're going to have a spot on the Chiefs practice squad. And we'll see if the Chiefs have an opportunity uh, or a need to call either one of them or both of them up this year. Uh, thoughts first on Gordon because I think he's the more controversial of the two. Yeah, I, I, that's a good word for it because, you know, I, I, some people when Gordon was first released kind of maybe mentioned that they'd be interested. You know, I got to shout out, you know, Neverhood Pride writer Price Carter. He he mentioned that, you know, the Chiefs had shown interest in the past, which, you know, I, I can't, you know, I, I never found concrete evidence. But I do feel like I remember that maybe being a thing when he was a free agent after L.A. that we were maybe interested in, in bringing him in. And so maybe there was some kind of interest there already. And obviously there, you know, it, it's proof in the pudding with him being signed here. You know, I, I got to imagine Veach had his eye on him for a little bit. And so the controversial thing is he's a, he's a fumbler, man. This dude fumbles. Uh, he has five fumbles this year, which leads all NFL non-quarterbacks. And no other non-quarterback even has – or only two other guys that are non-quarterbacks even have four this year. And he didn't really play that much for Denver. Um, you may have his stats in front of you. Uh, um, but Yeah, he played. Uh, he's played in all ten games for, for Denver this year. 
um, but hasn't uh, hasn't had a ton of attempts. He's had 90 rushing attempts for 300 yards, uh, mm-hmm. 25 uh, receptions for another 200 yards. So I mean, he's been involved, uh, yeah. but uh, you know there there were some things that I think happened with uh, just sort of locker room type stuff uh, that sound like that happened with uh, with Russell Wilson and uh, and Gordon. There was, it seemed like there were some rumors about um, the the way Gordon handled a, a, a loss or something like that. Does that sound familiar? I'm I'm not sure honestly, but I I can't blame anyone for how they handled that situation because it is a <laughs> trash fire over there in Denver. My God. So yeah, he, he's a guy that is the, the fumbles are the are the big story with him, obviously. Um, but there was some, uh, you know, this is a guy that's that's been a, a force in the passing game. He's been a yeah. solid receiver, a solid pass protector. Uh, he, He's had a long NFL career. He's coming up on age 30, which is you know one of those things that uh, you know running backs tend to hit the wall there. But it doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like it was a he hit the wall sort of thing. I think this was one of those deals where he had a rough time uh, in in Denver uh, with coach and, and quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, actually. If you look at his just individual play, you know, this year, or even last year, I mean, he looked he looks pretty good just touting the rock, you know, just running around, you know, running through tackles. You know, he's a bigger body and I think in, in kind of a long stride. And, and, and I do think sometimes you kind of just see that and a lot of people assume, OK, he's an in, you know, in between the tackles runner. They brought him in here to be another guy that can, you know, carry the rock a lot, you know, be a, a ground and pound guy. And, and that's where I, I do think I, – I, I don't think that was the main reason they brought him in. I think you mentioned the pass – you know, his work in the pass game. If you look at his career, he's, he's a very consistent receiver, you know, puts up, you know, consistent stats in the, in the pass game. He's an experienced pass blocker. He's an experienced receiver. And, you know, right now the Chiefs only really have that, that experienced, reliable pass down back in Jarek McKinnon. You know, I think Clyde they could trust to an extent in those situations and – you know, maybe second field to McKinnon, but st- definitely c- could still trust him. Well, now he's not here right now. And and so I think if something were to happen to McKinnon, yeah, you, you'd like to just say, hey, you know, Pacheco, step up, you can do it. And I think he could do it to an extent, but I, I think Andy and, and everyone kind of likes having a vet maybe in that spot too. And again, you know, I, I think that's maybe where Gordon is maybe even, you know, it's probably his biggest strength right now as, as a player because of how much he fumbles. It's just being a, a reliable, sound pass protector, and maybe catching a pass out of the backfield, and then, and, and you know, and, and gaining a few yards on it. So, yeah, he, he yeah. feels a lot like Ronald Jones to me, and not in the fact that they play the same position, but uh, mm-hmm. it's sort of the same sort of reclamation project. Mm-hmm. But, but also a veteran that that does a couple things well, and you just have to feature that and and work around what they don't do well. There have been. NFL running backs who have struggled with fumbles and have turned it around. Adrian Peterson mm-hmm. was known as a fumbler, uh, going back to Tiki Barber, known as a mm-hmm. fumbler that, that towards the end of his career somehow figured it out. Jamal Charles was known as a fumbler early in his career and and seemed to, to get that worked out. So, you know, there's not to say that it's likely that a guy who's almost 30 years old is all of a sudden going to fix that problem, but uh, can they work around it? Can it be something that they – they coach him up and, and uh, you know, he starts looking like, remember on the, the breakaway run that Clyde had this year where he had both yeah. arms wrapped around it in, in the open field with nobody near him. 
um, maybe that's uh, uh, maybe that's what they teach Gordon to do this year. I bet they do. He's he's not going to be swinging around like Shady was. He doesn't have that same sort of leeway that Shady McCoy did when he came. Doesn't have that same sort of uh, rapport with 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 Andy Reid. But yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he ends up just being Jet McKinnon insurance or Ronald Jones replacement. It could be a lot of yeah. different things. Uh, it could just be one of those guys that they said, "Hey, you can't have enough good running backs, so we'll stash him in, in case we need him." And so. Yeah. Uh, could be a lot of things. Uh, they definitely like to be four deep at the running back position, at least with some of those guys being veterans. And so, you know, I wasn't surprised to see them pick up Gordon. Brian Edwards is the one that that I think might be potentially a longer term play mm-hmm. and somebody who could help this team in the future. This is a, a third year player who as recently as last season, you know, was a 571 yard uh, receiver had it was averaging around 17 yards a catch early in his career for the first two years. He had three touchdowns last year. Um, this is a relatively big play receiver mm-hmm. uh, who was really, like you said, blossoming in in Las Vegas for whatever reason. It didn't work out, work out in Atlanta, but it's not to say this guy couldn't be a pretty solid contributor for this team. Maybe for more than just this year. Yeah, I mean, for every for all the Justin Ross lovers, I mean, Ryan Edwards is 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 a, is a much more viable option for for what you kind of wanted Ross to be, you know, for the future. I mean, this guy's actually done it in the NFL. First of all, you know that last yeah last year, yeah, you mentioned the yardage and the touchdowns. He had a a, a really nice play against the Chiefs, uh, you know, on a post pattern between players that that scored too. Um, yeah, he was he was a favorite of mine actually out of that draft. It wasn't a draft I dove too deep into, but I just remember. Really liking Edwards, you know his the his movement skills and athleticism for his size. Obviously, his 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 jump ball ability that was all there. He's he's definitely not as you know impressive speed wise or explosion wise in the NFL. He definitely is not going to you know burn anybody. Not going to get on top of the defense necessarily. But he's going to go up and, and and jump over a guy and get the ball. And 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 he does have some you know some 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 big playability to him. Obviously, so yeah, I'm. I, I definitely think it's a more of a long-term thing. I don't see how – because he's not a special teams guy. That's the thing. I, a very important point is he has never really played special teams at all in the NFL. Six total snaps in his career on the third unit. So not going to contribute there, which means you're not probably going to be on the roster unless there's some major receiver injuries this year. So but I mean, he, he's going to be, be hanging a, around. He could be a Juju Smith-Schuster backup mm-hmm. at this point, right? Like bigger mm-hmm. player. I mean, uh, you know, has that ability to – Maybe he doesn't get a ton of separation, but you can throw a back shoulder to him. You can right. yes. use him in the intermediate game. And, uh, you know, Juju has been through, you know, uh, been through some stuff this year. So uh, it doesn't hurt to have some depth there with some size. Yeah. And, and you know, thinking about it a little more, maybe a, a good way to put it, because it's a recent memory, is when they tried to fit Josh Gordon into this offense last year, that might be a similar way if he didn't need to play this year how Edwards could kind of maybe be used. You know, they tried to use Gordon on some jump ball stuff, some kind of, you know, tight coverage to just get him to catch it over somebody. We may see some of that. There, there you have it. Uh, Brian Edwards is going to have one tunnel screen uh, <laughs> touchdown, touchdown <laughs> from the goal line this season and and not much else. So, But it is interesting to see them start to formulate some options for some depth right. for this postseason run but also some options for next year and beyond. So now you've got Tony who they brought in almost specifically because he's got 
years left on his contract. You've got Sky Moore, who's developing nicely as a receiver. You have MVS under contract for another year or two, uh, depending on how you look at that contract. And, and now you can you can throw in some of these guys like Edwards or, as you mentioned, uh, everybody's favorite uh, player on IR. Um, and there might be an opportunity there for, for them to have a cheap uh, and pretty solid wide receiver group, even if Juju Smith-Schuster leaves, even if McCole Hardman leaves. They've got options. They're not going to. The cupboards aren't yeah. going to be as bare uh, as they otherwise uh, could have been. Now, obviously, the assumption here: this is a practice squad deal. It's not a multi-year contract, so it's not a done deal that he can stay. But yeah. you know, if they get him in the building and things go well, you can imagine he's somebody they can bring back at a reasonable price. Yeah, and and the receiver question is something that Jake Wilson actually gave us, and and we'll get to it in the second half of the show. So we'll we'll kind of get into more of the big picture of the receiver position. But you know, before before that, let's I, I want to run through some stats of the week because we 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 got some good ones. Um, you know, I I, I don't want to dwell too much on on any of them, but you know, just some stuff to throw out. Here's a quick one: twelve different Chiefs have caught a twenty yard pass this season, Mo, more than any other team. That's from Matt McMullen pretty good you know it's more than just spreading the ball around you know they got a lot of players you know doing something explosive i don't know that's pretty cool stats stat absolutely week. i mean every week it seems like 10 players every single week are, are catching yeah. a pass from Mahomes, which is extraordinary and and it really does speak to his evolution as a quarterback and to the chiefs building this depth at playmaker yeah. i mean it's it's not just a, a one or two man show so that's i think that's a great stat as well I'm going to go to this one because I really like it, and, and I was curious about this one. So right now, Isaiah Pacheco is averaging 4.7 yards per carry on his 97 season carries. That is the most by a Chiefs primary running back, and, and I look, it's a minimum of 75 carries for a season. He has 97 this year. So that is the most, the, the highest yards per carry average for a primary Chiefs running back since Kareem Hunt's rookie year where he averaged 4.9 yards per attempt. Obviously smaller sample size. But it it does, the eye test does kind of match that Pacheco might be the most effective runner in terms of running, right? I'm not talking about the past. I'm not talking about the overall body of work because I think you can make an argument that some guys in the past game, you know, kind of made it more impactful overall. But in terms of being a runner on the ground, I think the eye test does back it up that he's been the, you know, the best runner since maybe they've Kareem Hunt. And people said that in training camp. I didn't want to believe him, right? I didn't want to yeah. believe him, but it does yeah, seem I'm, like it. I've been slow to come around on Pacheco just because – you know, I think there's – first of all, I think there was a lot of value left in Clyde. When Clyde yeah. is a is on IR, you're presumably out for an extended period of time, then the door's wide open for Pacheco, and he's, and he's uh, you know, quite literally running through it, right? He's – the way he's attacking this position, the way he's picked up the offense and learned to on some of his deficiencies, I mean, he's – He's obviously outperforming all expectations for his uh, draft pedigree, uh, but but also looking like a, a, a real primary running back that might might have some staying power. So, yeah. uh, you know, nothing uh, but respect for the, how, how he's gone about his business so far. And, yeah, they haven't had a lot of featured uh, running backs since Kareem Hunt. I think right. that's something that the Chiefs fans have been been looking for. But uh, uh, But good for the kid. Good for the kid. Right. No. And, and it is just, you know, it is funny to think back in training camp, how I, you know, how much the hype felt a little too much. And, you know, 
to an extent, he's pretty much lived up. You know, I think people were comparing him to Kareem Hunt, which, you know, I don't think you can say he's lived up to that because Kareem was Kareem still was just a different level of good right out the bat. But, you know, it's it's, it's been a fun season to see him progress. Uh, Chris Jones, I want to get to this one, has 10 sacks. And it's only the second time he's reached double digits in his career. You noted also that it's the first time Steve Spagnolo has had a double digit sack leader uh, or sacker, I should just say, and, and as a Chiefs defensive coordinator, which is you know pretty shocking. But it, I guess it's not too surprising, I guess, when you think back to this era. But I did want to point out that it's the sixth straight game with at least half a sack for Chris Jones. That's the second longest streak of his career outside of that monster 11 game streak he had in 2018. For what it's worth, PFF does have Chris Jones as the second highest overall graded defender in the NFL, only behind Miles Garrett. I don't usually, you know, care too much about PFF grades, but it is, it's just, you know, it's, it's a worthy point. And I did, I put down some, some pressure rates of other really good interior linemen. And Jones is pretty much outdoing everybody you can think of Aaron Donald, Jeffrey Simmons, Jonathan Allen, you know, Dexter Lawrence with the Giants. He, he is having a better season than pretty much any interior defensive lineman. So I don't know. I just wanted to make sure we all understood how good Chris Jones has been this year and, and how insane it is that he's maybe having one of his best seasons still, you know, this far into his career. Yeah. He's been more consistently dominant this year than we've yes. seen in years past, right? Like it is game in game out, snap in, snap out. He is in the backfield, you know, making plays being disruptive and yeah, finishing 10 sacks already at this point. Uh, I saw that he has, you know, he's on pace, you know, to, to really um, keep himself in that defensive player of the year conversation. Oh, yeah. He's not likely to win it, but he's going to be, he should be in the conversation. And uh, he's obviously going to be in the conversation when it comes to contract extensions this, this off season. Uh, he's going to be a very rich man based on what he's done here. But yeah, for, a Spagnolo defensive lineman to be getting it done the way he's doing it from the inside and the outside. Uh, he's been nothing short of a fantastic. And it's, it's also been so, so clutch this season. So he's been consistent yes. throughout the game, but he's got that closer ability that I feel like this team was missing ever since that Super Bowl run uh, last season. They didn't have that. Uh, and, and I think it, it cost them a couple of games. And so I think, seeing him being that closer, Frank Clark rounding back into shape. There was another stat that Clark has 13 pressures over the last two weeks, second only to Micah Parsons in that time frame. Also from our guy, Matt McMullen at, at the mothership, as we used to call it mm-hmm. uh, at, at the chief site. Um, so Frank is playing better, looking more like himself. And all of a sudden they've got options as, as a pass rush. And I think that's a another takeaway from this week's game and last week's and, and a few others is that this front is getting it done and they're they're they've already got more sacks than they had last year as a team and it looks like they have the type of group that can close games out once this team gets a lead and really make you feel like they can hold a lead and and, and win some games yeah the frank clark stat blew me away because i don't think he's been that impactful over the last two games um, and that's where pressures can maybe sometimes be a little bit of a, you know, a, a here or there stat. But, you know, just, you know, if, if you're doubting him at all, I know Andy Reid can say whatever he wants, but it, it was pretty cool to hear him, you know, you know, gl- pretty much praise Frank Clark in his Monday press conference saying, you know, he looks like 2019 Frank Clark, but maybe even playing better. 
you know, again, that the, that doesn't match my eye test, but I'm going to trust Andy on this one because he has, you know, it, Frank has had a good year for, you know, overall. I wouldn't say he's had a bad year. So um, Absolutely. good for Frank. Good for Frank. Well, let's, let's get to a break and hear from our sponsors. But first, Ron, do you have our customary would you rather? Yeah, you know, Stags, we're getting down to it. Got a Raven or the, excuse me, a Bengals game coming up. And I just, you know, gave away my would you rather. But, you know, the AFC North, those, those top two teams are fighting, battling for, for one of those playoff spots. And I'm just curious, Stags, you know, we saw the Ravens lose to the Jaguars. Uh, you know, obviously we're about to see the Bengals. At this current moment, would you rather see the Ravens or the Bengals in the playoffs? We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. And we're back on the Out of Structure podcast. Thanks for sticking with us. We've got a lot more of your Twitter questions to get to. But first, our would you rather of the week. Ron, you asked, would we rather see the Ravens or the Bengals in the, in the AFC playoffs? The way the playoff seating is looking right now, the Chiefs obviously are sitting in the number one seat in the driver's seat here in the AFC. Uh, Dolphins are two, Titans are three. The Ravens are currently the fourth seed, and the Bengals are the sixth seed with Buffalo at number five. So if the whoever that AFC North champion is likely to be that four seed and therefore would be uh, the odds-on favorite to – come in technically after the bye week and and be the chief's opponent after a four or five matchup so would i rather see the the ravens or the Bengals? so on one hand the ravens are well coached uh they're typically oh, yeah. a, a good defense they've got some weapons and they've got a, a quarterback who has given the chiefs fits when he's been able to run the ball especially on design running plays uh, he do, used to just gash this team up the middle now I feel a little more confident about the Chiefs' defense this year that they would figure that issue out quicker than they have in years past. The Bengals are have been the, the nemesis, the thorn in the side. And if you look at last season, two games that in some ways were identical, right? They, the Chiefs were out to, to good starts, and then uh, yeah. the, the Bengals came back in the second half, uh, including the, the absolute worst second half of Patrick Mahomes' career in that AFC Championship game. You know, that's a tough uh, – that's been a tough matchup for the Chiefs' defense. Uh, the receiver core is is just brutal, uh, brutal matchups for this team. So a healthy Bengals team with Jamar Chase on the field uh, is a problem. And if the Chief, even if the Chiefs beat them this week, you're still going up against a team. It's difficult to beat a team twice in one year. Yes, I know they did it to the Chiefs last year, but – I wouldn't feel that much better about that matchup uh, mm-hmm. if the Chiefs win this week uh, as compared to if the Chiefs don't win this week. Either way, uh, this is a, a kind of a nemesis and, and, a, and a budding rivalry. So, so yeah, the Ravens just, you know, a, a, you know, just struggled against the Jaguars and they don't have the, the typical passing quarterback that wins in the playoffs. So yeah, long winded answer, but uh I'll stick with the Ravens for now. I think that's probably a better matchup for this this new look uh, Chiefs defense. Um, and we'll talk more about the Bengals as we close the show out with a little look ahead. Uh, but I still think that that's a pretty that's going to be a pretty tough game, uh, whether it's this week or or in the playoffs. 
Yeah, no, that's why I would absolutely say the Ravens as well. You know, the main difference to me, the key point is is the pass catchers. One team has, you know, two potential wide receiver ones, plus a guy like Tyler Boyd, who, you know, a lot of teams would love to have as their wide receiver too. He's their third receiver. You know, on top of that, having a quarterback that can, you know, is willing to make those throws, right? Not just can make those throws, willing to. That's why they beat the Chiefs last year, especially in the regular season. You know, Burrow was testing the corners downfield. And and we'll talk about that more later. But yeah, I I I think the Ravens' lack of pass catchers, and and that's why you're seeing them struggle sometimes on offense. I'm not too worried about Baltimore. You know, if, if that comes back to bite me, we'll see. But right now, I definitely would rather see the the Ravens in the playoffs. Well, Thomas Ramirez asked, and this is a looking back at this recent game here, who was more impressive, Nick Allegretti filling in at left guard or Brian Cook filling in for Juan Thornhill at safety? I think it's easy. Allegretti's for sure. He had to play against Aaron Donald, Brian Cook. Yes, he it was you know it was his first career start. Allegretti's played more, but Brian Cook was playing a third string quarterback, and and the offense that was a disaster. So good good for Allegretti to kind of get in there, and and the offensive line held up pretty well outside the first drive. So I, I'd say he had an impressive day. Yeah, I think Cook has been a little bit up and down so far. It's a little bit hard to get a bead on on mm-hmm. how safeties play just from the broadcast angles, but. If you go back and, and and dig in a little bit, I think we'd probably find that that Cook has has uh, had his rookie struggles in the playing time that he's getting, which is which up until the last couple of weeks wasn't very much. And Allegretti, I think, struggled a little bit at right guard when he was asked to fill in for Trey Smith, but I think he's probably more natural at at that left guard position. I think he looked he looked pretty yeah. solid this week. The offensive line, you know, wasn't flawless. Uh, didn't expect them to be flawless, but uh, uh, they held up and held their own. Yeah, so so give it to Allegretti for this week. He also, Thomas Ramirez also asked, who is the MVP of offense and defense for this game? So offensive MVP, I went Kelsey uh, real quick. He, he does lead the entire NFL in touchdown receptions now, and no other player has more than 10. And Devontae Adams is the only one that has 10 currently. So... He's three away from the franchise record for the season. He's five away from the record for tight ends for a season with six games to go. Just something to watch. Travis Kelsey having a great year. Mm-hmm. And then and then quickly, defensive MVP, I said Legereus Sneed, although you could have went a few players. But Kelsey and Sneed are my MVPs. Yeah, Kelsey, it, it's just remarkable what he's doing. Yeah, I really hope he gets that touchdown record away from Gronk this year, which Good, would be a nice, uh, nice feather in his cap for, uh, yeah. for greatest of all time, which – we all already believe, but there's still some that are going to talk about Gronk uh, in his uh, in his dominance. So any record he can take away from Gronk, I'd like to see it. Uh, I, I definitely was a, a fan of Lajerry Sneed this week. The way he was just all over the field, came you know came out of the game with an injury and came right back and made plays, including yep. uh, interception to, that really helped turn the tide after the interception that Mahomes threw. Yeah. I'm going to go with Nick Bolton on defense, uh, another guy who was all over the place and also had an interception to help close this game out. His second week in a row with an interception, he's averaging over 10 tackles per game. He's already over 100 tackles on the season after 10 games now, had another 11 tackle performance, had a big tackle for loss, um, also had a pass defended, and, uh, and again, the aforementioned uh, interception late in the game. So big Bolton game. He's having a monster season. The arguments about whether or not he's an all pro uh, already have started. 
and, and I think he, there should be at least some conversation about it, uh, certainly on a Pro Bowl-type uh, season in his second year in Kansas City. For the offensive side of the ball, uh, I'm going to go with the kid Pacheco. I mean, I think he's yeah. he is uh, bringing some balance to this team. His yards per carry weren't wasn't great this week. Three point three point one yards per carry on his twenty two rushes. His longest rush was only nine yards. But if you watch the flow of this game and their ability to keep the, the chains moving, even when they were being quite vanilla, even when it was obvious they were going to be running the ball, his ability to charge forward and and move the sticks you know, was, was obvious. And, and the speed at which he gets through a hole is, is impressive. Uh, he also had uh, a, a decent uh, a pass reception this week. Uh, it'd be nice to see that element of his game continue to develop. His one catch went for 17 yards uh, on, on his only target of the day. So uh, Pacheco bringing balance to the offense, I think is just uh, really, really important for this team down the stretch. Yeah, I love that Pacheco catch because it was he lined up out wide originally. They motioned him into the backfield, but 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 before he got all the way to the backfield, they snapped it, kind of trying to catch the defense off guard. He runs an angle route from the slot. It looks like a slant, but it's it's technically an angle route, and and gets space over the middle. And I love it, man. I love it. I don't know. I'm glad they're they're using Pacheco progressively using him more and more in the pass game. There's um, nothing better than a well designed route thrown to a running back. I mean, that that's uh, uh, I'm a huge fan of the wheel route when it's executed perfectly. Oh yeah. You know, and, and just ways to get those guys going in, in unexpected, uh, unexpected ways and, and, and unpredictable pass uh, pass alignments, I think is, is awesome. Well, Jake Wilson at uh, Jake for now on Twitter, I kind of hinted at this question earlier. We we're talking about, you know, the makeup of the receiving room, you know, with Brian Edwards now in the room, potentially, you know, obviously we don't know for sure, but potentially for, for the 2023 offseason as well. Jake Wilson asks, lately, Casey's offense has featured solid receiving performances from Kadarius, Tony, and Sky Moore. Is their success, paired with the production of first-year Chiefs Juju Smith-Schuster and Justin Watson, signal a general shift away from expensive wide receiver contracts for KC? And, you know, real quick, I'll just start off by saying, I mean, we've kind of already seen that. You know, there, this offseason was, was that shift, right? So... We've kind of already seen this happen. I mean, what do you think, Stags? Yeah, I mean, I think they're looking for volume in in guys that that can contribute. This might be one of those years where uh, you know everybody hits, and that's kind of an unusual thing. So I wouldn't bank on them bringing in a whole new crop of receivers every single year, right? And, right. and staying cheap and and being good every single year. I think this is just one of those years where they really got it right on a number of in a number of decisions in this wide receiver room. And I do think that they'll try to retain Juju. They'll, they would probably pay a decent amount for him this coming year. But I do think, you know, McCall Hardman's probably not, to, not going to get his Christian Kirk money here uh, fr- from the chiefs. And I think they're going to be in the conversation for every free agent wide receiver until the end of time. Oh, yeah. But uh, they might be willing to, to develop more in-house, uh, to look young. They're obviously thinking years down the road, as we mentioned with uh, with this uh, Brian Edwards contract uh, or signing, and I think the Kadarius Tony move. They're certainly building for the future of this room. I don't see it churned every year, uh, but I think they're building for the long term here. And, and I think that 
coincidentally is also cheap. Yeah, no, that that makes sense, right? But I just think in general they they did kind of prove, you know, because if they wanted to, if they thought expensive contracts were the way, wouldn't they've paid Tyreek? Although you could say maybe just the receiver that contract was too big, and they did offer him a big deal. All that to say, yeah, I think they understand. I think this year is just proven that they're probably smart to say hey let's just try to you know get a good you know a few guys instead of just one big guy but we're, we'll 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 see as that goes on i'm excited for this offseason see kind of how they they maneuver this the second year without tyree kill yeah maybe if we answer this next question in the affirmative at the end of the year it'll help answer the previous question so terry elizabeth at lavender lilac 66 do you believe the chiefs can make it to the super bowl so again, if if they do make it to the Super Bowl, I think you're going to look back at these wide receivers and say, right. "This is the way. This is how. This is how the Chiefs build it in the future." Well, Terry, I I am a believer. Yes, but color, you know, believe it or not, I am a believer that they can, and uh, it's actually That's a shocking. good. It it is shocking, right? But it's good to pair the next question actually with this. I think because you know you mentioned. If they don't make it, maybe, and 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 Bryant James at Bryant underscore D on Twitter asks or says, fill in the blank. If the Chiefs lose in the playoffs, it will be because blank. And so, yeah, to say, you know, if to go against Terry's question, if they didn't make the Super Bowl, if you weren't necessarily, if you wanted to be a pessimist, Stags, what is the one way? I have I have one specific thing in mind, and and we we may have talked about it this show, but uh, what do you think is the one kind of thing maybe that could be the the thorn in the side. So first of all, yes, Terry, I do believe the chiefs will be in the super bowl this year. (laughs) Uh, I feel more optimistic about their chances this year than last year or the year before when just the composition of this team, the balance of this team, it feels less fluky because they're young players on the rise and they're going to keep getting better. Uh, So yeah, I believe they can make it to the super bowl this year. If they lose in the playoffs, in, as far as I can see, there's only one reason they should, they could lose in the playoffs, and it's not very likely, but it's the same reason they lost last year. If Patrick Mahomes fails, this team will lose. If Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, they will win the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I mean, there's only really been one instance where Patrick Mahomes – Seem was seemingly Patrick Mahomes and they still lost. And that was the Super Bowl against Tampa. I mean, I think we can all agree he really had nothing he could do in that game to win. But I think you're right. Yeah, I think that's that, that is true. I think that's really the only true way to really bank on them losing. I was I thought you were gonna go special teams because <laughs> I do think man, with these tight games, you saw it last year against the Bills, you know. When with those back and forth games, all it takes is one muff punt, one and although they've they've overcame those in the playoffs before, so it is kind of funny to sit here and say, oh, that could ruin them when it hasn't in the past, even though it's happened. You know, McColl muffed the punt in the AFC Championship against the Bills. So mm, I right. actually, though, I, I was going to say pass defense, not doing enough yeah. against an elite pass attack. Yeah, I, I thought do, about that too, but right. I, I feel like they can overcome a lot when Mahomes is playing yeah. the way he's capable of playing. If you look at this season, they they could have won – the Colts game where everything went wrong. Yeah. Mahomes had a chance to win that game. Like it was, it was a slim chance. It was still a long no, shot. You're right. The Bills but, game too. Right. So it doesn't happen very often. He's the greatest player alive, but 
if he doesn't come through for them in the, in the late in games, then then they're not going to win. And that's that's what happened last year against the Bengals. That's the only thing I can see going wrong this year. And I don't and I don't think it's going to happen. Just to get that out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not going to it's not going to happen. But right, yeah, we're not going to speak into existence. And no that's one thought the thing they can't overcome. Year. They can't overcome. Yes, that. I agree. You could, they can overcome bad secondary play. Let's say if the yeah. the rookie secondary gets eaten alive, you know, it turns into a shootout. You still take Mahomes in a shootout. But well, that yeah, I mean, think about the Bills game in the playoffs last year. I mean, how can a secondary get more, eaten alive more than they did in that game? <laughs> yeah. And yeah, again, you're right. Yeah, no, I, I that's a good. It is a really good point because really, Mahomes can make everything else not matter. But if if he doesn't, you know, doesn't have a good game, then everything else, no matter what, how good it is, can pretty much not matter. So. It's funny that neither of us said pass rush because that was always the thing that was going to doom the Chiefs last year, this year, was a lack yeah. of pass rush, right? Everything's predicated upon pressure. All of a sudden now, the way this defense is played, we're not as worried about that. It feels, it feels yeah. sustainable because, again, it's coming from multiple guys. It's not just – reliant upon one guy and if he goes down it's all it's all over i mean they legitimately have five guys that are taking turns getting to the quarterback yeah no you're right it, it does speak to how far we've come because i think it is usually a default pass rush like anytime we're talking about how we could lose a game it's you know lack of pass rush so it, you know it, it's good to, it's good to kind of not think of them as a liability right off the bat <laughs> well lorenzo asked why has there been so many illegal Man downfield penalties. They always seem to negate a big play. I'm sure there's a technical answer for this. I don't know if you, it's come up in your game film review, but it seems like this happens most often uh, maybe on like an RPO or a, uh, yes. or, or on a, you know, one of those plays where it doesn't go quite as planned. Exactly. No, you're hundred percent right. Um, you know, it, it kind of happens the most with the chiefs because of how many RPOs they run compared to other NFL teams. You know, again, a run pass option. The linemen don't necessarily know what the quarterback is doing. You know, they don't know until they see a running back or they feel a running back running behind them or they see the ball in the receiver's hands downfield, right? And so, you know, sometimes the feel of the play, you know, a lineman, it may feel like a run to them. They may feel like, you know, the defense is reacting to the run. And so may, they may start climbing to the second level to a linebacker and all of a sudden, oh, shoot, they realize that Mahomes did keep it and it was a pass. And all of a sudden you're three yards downfield and that's an automatic flag. The Trey Smith one this week against the Rams, you know, it, it did just seem like he kind of just lost where he was and got too deep in the end zone on the goal line play. It would have scored a touchdown, so it's kind of unfortunate. But it, it's I don't know. It's 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 more just kind of a brain fart thing, or a, it's just kind of oh, it's brain fart. But this week I should say it's a brain fart. But overall, it's more just a natural thing that happens with RPOs, and sometimes why it drives me crazy. And, and I wish they maybe don't wouldn't run them as much, maybe more. Yeah. I'd love to see him get away from RPOs. We've talked about that a number of times. It's ways to get the running game going to keep Pat from just throwing every single one of those plays. But also uh, you've got to think that linemen get put in an awkward spot with Mahomes on those plays as aggressively as he as he attacks the line of scrimmage. When he gets out of the pocket, he is, he knows exactly where that line of scrimmage is. And, And a lot of times he's running aggressively towards it before he pulls up and throws a pass, right? So if yeah, you know, that to me would be really difficult for a lineman to get used to. 
Yeah, no, Mahomes, Mahomes is probably a very, you know, as much as you love as a receiver, maybe him. Linemen probably do, probably does take some time getting used to how Mahomes operates back there. But, you know, you'd rather have him than not. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Well, Patrick Mahomes Zone on Twitter asked, when is Kadarius Tony going to be back? And I think we heard a little bit from the coaches already on this. Uh, Andy Reid said he was not that far away from being able to play, but they were, they were going to take it slow with his hamstring to make sure that it doesn't reoccur or, or you know flare back up. Hamstrings are tricky in that way. It seems like an injury that once you have a hamstring, you, you could it can linger with you for the whole season if it's not taken care of. And, and that's what kept him on the bench in, in New York or out of the games in New York before he came to the Kansas City. So I, I think there's – to me it's pretty concerning that his hamstring is flaring up already. Um, but I think they're going to be cautious with it, don't you? Absolutely. It is definitely concerning. But, you know, that's the good part about where they're at in the schedule. You know, I don't think anyone's feeling like he has to be back at any certain point. But – you know that he's probably going to be back and healthy at some point to contribute again this season. And, you know, why not just kind of wait until the postseason when it, it, you know, you really could make a difference, you know, being that third or fourth receiver when the defense is keying in on the rest of the guys. So. Yeah. If he's not going to be ready this week against the Bengals, you know, do you, do you really need him against the Broncos, Texans, <laughs> yeah. Broncos, Raiders, Seahawks? I mean, right. Uh, you, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you, you could, you could rest him if you if he rests him this week. You might as well let him rest the next two weeks after that, uh, and then let's talk. Let's talk on Christmas Eve uh, against the Seahawks. So I think that's as good of a lead into a, a looking forward a, a quick preview of this Bengals game because everybody I think watched the Rams game and thought you know this was a little bit of a. Uh, some people said the Chiefs sleepwalked through this one. Uh, I'm not sure I saw it that way. I saw like Pacheco and and some other guys that were pretty stinking fired up. Uh, mm. I, I don't usually buy this thing that uh, you know the teams don't get fired up for a game just because it's a uh, uh, the opponent has a bad record. But you know it certainly was one of those games where they didn't have to go all out the entire game to secure that win. Uh, where a lot of us started looking forward to the Bengals game pretty early on in that, at least as fans. I'm not sure the team, does oh, yeah. that, but we did. No, I, I trust the team and Andy probably don't do that to an extent, although it's human nature. Um, but yeah, if you had any question about whether the team, you know, if anyone watching the games had, you know, questions, the team's, you know, motivation, you know, one week, just, just wait till this week. I, I, I think you're going to be able to notice how pumped up this team is, you know, a lot of guys on this team that, that, you know, suffered that heartbreak last year, you know, and we talk about the AFC Championship, but you know they they blew the Chiefs' chance to get in the one seed in the, in the regular season too by beating them. You know they they got them twice. You know the Chiefs could have only played two games last year in the postseason um, if it wasn't you know in the play AFC playoffs if it wasn't for the Bengals spoiling their their game in Week 17. So there's a lot of revenge you know factor, and we've seen Mahomes when he's got some revenge in him, and and it's fun. And so I'm excited for this game. And, and I'll start on the Chiefs' offensive side because that's that's the main thing to watch is how Mahomes handles doing the thing or going against the things that made him trip up last year in the AFC Championship, those three-man rushes. I watched the Titans-Bengals game this Sunday. It's something the Bengals just do. You know, I don't think it's a specific Chiefs-Packers. I think they just like 
uh, muddying up coverage, you know, getting a lot of guys back there and, you know, trusting that the quarterback's going to try to make a tight throw. That's really not there because he's impatient and he's not going to, you know, and I think sometimes last year Mahomes was too patient. Right. And then that's where he got into trouble. He didn't, he didn't want to fire anything in there. So it's kind of a one or the other thing. And, and it really tripped him up last year. So the Bengals are going to throw it at him, man. And so he really needs to be able to step it up, but it's also on the coaching staff to help him and, 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 run the ball more, right? I think that was something we all came away with last year from the AFC Championship was that they could have ran the ball more to help Mahomes when he wasn't looking comfortable against those three-man rushes. But I say that, it's not like they just have those on first and second down, right? They do it on pass down. So it's not like you can just say, all right, we're going to run on third and 10 because they're rushing three. So, Stags, that's that's my the key point on the Chiefs side of the ball is is how Mahomes handles the three-man rush, how the receivers themselves kind of handle – you know, trying to get open against eight man coverages. Cause it is really hard. You know, they, they'll double Kelsey at times. Um, you know, they may even, you know, uh, double like a juju or something, depending on the situation. So that's, that's my main thing right now is how the chief, how Mahomes handles those eight man coverages. Yeah. The Bengals are a little bit of a role right now. They've, they've won their last three in a row, uh, yeah. five out of their last six. They're starting to heat up and, and starting to score some points a little bit. Seems like their offense struggled earlier in the season. They they were missing Jamar Chase when he wasn't in the game. Uh, now that he's coming back, I think you got to expect that this is going to be a relative shootout. And so I'm still not as worried about the Chiefs' offense versus their defense uh, as as I would be about the Chiefs' defense against uh, the, the Bengals' offense. So uh, I I think you're right there. I think you know Mahomes just. Uh, is going to be anxious to prove that last year was a fluke and that he's yeah. figured out this this defense. I think he's got the type of offense now that can counteract that defense. And it's not necessarily just about running the football, but it's about getting the ball out of his hands quick. It's about uh, you know getting, getting the ball in those guys' hands, uh, letting them make plays. It's about having receivers that you trust, that you yes. can put the ball up to, and that they're going to come down with it. I don't think he had that last year, not not in, in the same numbers he has now. I think he knows that he can throw a back shoulder to Juju. He can throw, you know, uh, he can. He's starting to trust Sky more in, in situations. I mean, I think you're you're starting to see that that trust that he has in the entire offensive team more so than he had last year. I think at this point in the season last year, he wasn't trusting the offensive line in the way that he is now. So if Mahomes trusts those around him they'll execute on offense and they'll score enough points. Then really the only question again, let's go back to the Chiefs defense versus this Bengals offense. This is going to be a huge test for that young secondary. We've talked about them all season. They've exceeded all expectations. The development of guys like Joshua Williams is way ahead of schedule. Uh, so far ahead of schedule, they were sellers at the trade deadline from the cornerback room uh, in trading away Rashad Fenton. So, this is a totally different look secondary than what the Bengals saw last year. And so it's going to be really interesting to see how they match up, how they line them up. I mean, I think you've got to, you've got to think that your Sneed is going to want to take their best guy. Uh, and that's kind of been the pattern in recent games. Sneed is really demanding that, that top receiver uh, that leaves really some, some huge wide receivers on Trent McDuffie, who's a smaller player, and Josh Williams, who has the size, uh, but maybe not the same pedigree. So that's going to be really fascinating to see just 
who matches up with whom and how are they going to deal with the, the size and the, and the explosive ability? Cause Joe Burrow will just chunk it down the field to those guys and expect them to make the play. And so if the chiefs can just get a hand on it, just get turned around, just not get called for pass interference, they're going to be, uh, they're going to be okay. Yeah, no, I, I said it, I tweeted it out that Trent McDuffie, I, I think this is kind of, you know, de facto the game that, they drafted Trent McDuffie for if, if you watch how they played last year and that, especially the regular season game, you know, chase and Higgins just really torching the chiefs cornerbacks because it's in Spagnuolo's nature to leave them on islands and in, in, in crucial situations. I mean, we've talked about it and, and sometimes it can drive you crazy. Hey, why are you leaving your rookie cornerback on an island with Stefan Diggs on a, you know, on, on a, in the red zone or whatever? Well, that's just the nature. If, if you want, if, if you're going to have Spags' blitzing kind of wild card nature that works and that we all love a lot of the times, well, it's going to come with those situations. But McDuffie, being a first-round corner, being that sticky guy in coverage, I mean, that's where it can – This is these are the games where it can really come in handy, man, because Burrow is going to push the ball down the field against the blitz. You know, Spags is going to try to heat him up. He's not going to back away from it. And Burrow is just going to let it rip again, uh, to guys like Chase and Higgins and – yeah, you know, McDuffie can't cover them both at the same time. But, I, you know, Burrow's not the type to avoid a certain corner. You know, he's going to test whoever's out there to his favorite player, whoever, whoever who wants to go to in that particular play. So it's a big game for McDuffie. I think it's, it's, his, it's his first, you know, I, I said before the Jaguars game was kind of his first test to prove something. I think he did prove something. But the Bengals are, are a, a, you know, two or three levels higher than that, that Jaguars challenge. And, he needs to be able to, you know, prove why he was a first round pick. You know, yeah, he'll he can give up a play and still have a good game. So I'm not saying if there's any big play given up that it, you know, it's a all of a sudden it's like, a, oh, you know, you know, we should be mad at McDuffie or something. But I do just think it's a great challenge for him. And and it's a lot of the reason why he was even picked in the first place. And and they're and Spags is gonna trust him. It's not like they're gonna be playing cover two the entire game and, and he's not gonna be on an island. I mean, there's gonna be shot plays. So I, I'm I'm excited to see how McDuffie responds to that challenge. So do you trust McDuffie on Chase, man-to-man? Well, trust him over the guys they have, absolutely. But that's the nature of today's NFL is that I'm not going to there, – there's no there's no corner that's – I'm going to say, yeah, I trust him to shut down Chase on a play. Yeah. So. No, if you think back to who was lined up against Jamar Chase last year when, when he had record-breaking performances last season. It was a mixture of all, a, a lot of guys, but Ward was the one who had the big. It was he was the third and twenty-seven that you know Ward gave up that big play. But yeah. I think Fenton even gave up one too. I think Sneed was part. You know they they all had a hand in kind of giving up those big plays last year. So it would be interesting to see if if they do give McDuffie that assignment. Like mm-hmm. I, I think Sneed's going to raise his hand and ask for it, and I think Sneed is the type of player that is. Good, not great in coverage, but great at everything else, right? So it might suit them well to put McDuffie on chase, give him some help, obviously, yes. but and then let let Snead match up against some of the bigger players. I mean, you've got uh, you've got T Higgins, who's just a monster. Uh, he's six foot four, right? So that, that's a tight end out there uh, that runs the way he does. You might want to me Williams on Higgins and. McDuffie on Chase might be your best physical matchups, and yeah. then let Snead roam and do do his thing. It might be interesting to see how they do that. I'm sure that'll happen at times. Whether they 
intentionally match them up that way or not. We'll see. Yeah, no, I like that. I, I agree. I think with T Higgins, the, the, the big bodied guy, I think you, you mug him up a lot with, you know, press him up with Joshua Williams. I think that's what you have. You drafted Williams to do. I mean, this is what, you know, and, and Hey, that may lead to Higgins beating him off the line sometimes. And, and you got to live with that at times, but that's why, you know, depending on the situation you have, a, you know, you have your Justin Reed over the top to, to hopefully help. Hopefully they get Juan Thornhill back for this game. He's a huge part of this yeah. game. If they don't get him back, you know, this is a big, big mismatch for Cook because I don't think he is ready to, to be a to kind of cover over the top of these these big play threats. Yeah, that, that might be an underrated key to this entire game. Right. If you got Thornhill back there, you know, deep as compared to somebody else, that's going to be. That's going to be a huge factor because I, I think, uh, you know, Justin Reed's been fine, uh, but he's not your center fielder, right? Like that's, no. that's Thornhill's role. Yeah, you're right. That is born out that way. I, I thought going into the year, Reed's always kind of been more of a free safety type, but Thornhill's definitely been more of that guy. But yeah, no, I, I do think that's the, the key matchup here because you look up front, I think the Bengals offensive line's a little better this year. Um, and, and the Chiefs defensive line got had some success last year. Chris Jones had some some penetration. He didn't finish all the sacks he had uh, opportunities to last year. Maybe believe, he is going to be motivated to do that. <laughs> he is he has brought that up himself more than once. Yeah. So, so uh, that'll Good that'll point. be fun to watch as well. Yeah. No, I'm I'm just I, I'm excited for this game, Stags. It's 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 one of those you can feel. You know, you I can feel the anticipation already. We're recording this on Monday night. Um, you know, we got a whole week to go, but. You know, it's kind of that, first, that, again, that last big anticipation game of the season. The rest of the year, we're kind of going to be, you know, kind of just, you know, the rival games maybe get you up a little bit. But this is the last, you know, big time, you know, national, you know, a lot of people will take away, you know, people, everyone will be talking about this game afterwards, that kind of thing. So it's, it is a little bit of a measuring stick, too. It's, oh, you, know, yeah. you, you can say, hey, you know, the Chiefs, they just beat the Rams and the Rams haven't been that good, right? Before that, who else have they played? A lot of teams that have been not as good as you thought they were going to be this year. If the Bengals are playing up to the level they're capable of, that this is a playoff team, a legit yes. playoff team for this year. Now, they've got a tough schedule ahead of them. So I will be interested to see where they end up the season. If you look ahead for the Bengals, they have the Chiefs this week. Then they play the Browns, the Buccaneers, the Patriots, the Bills, the Ravens to close out the season. They, they've got a handful of losses on the, the, their schedule, potentially, going down the stretch. If they go on a run here, then, then obviously they're, they're a, a Super Bowl contender. Uh, if, they, if they lose to the Chiefs and then struggle against the rest of their schedule, they might not make the playoffs. Like it's, This is a turning point for them as well. So expect them to be up for this game just as much as the Chiefs are. And that's why this AFC playoff race is, is – you know, or, or playing these AFC teams, I should say, maybe is, you know, it's going to be, it's going to feel like playoff football because they all know how tight it is. I mean, even the Chiefs, you know, I, I mentioned kind of that, you know, even if they win, you know, they're going to be the front runners, but, you know, everyone's breathing right down their neck, man. I mean, it's going to feel like they're going to feel that pressure every single game the rest of the year, no matter if they win or lose this game. So that AFC race, it, it's going to be fun to watch down the stretch, but every one of those teams is going to be playing in desperation mode, starting pretty much this week. It's going to be fun to watch. Well, we appreciate you guys spending some time with us today. As always, uh, we look forward to talking to you next week, hopefully on a victory Monday once again. Make sure you rate and review the podcast network. Review all of our work at arrowheadpride.com and continue tuning in to the Out of Structure podcast. For Ron Cobb Jr. and Matt Stagner, thanks again. We'll talk to you next week.